Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before we get started with this week's new releases, we want to remind you guys that we are just one month away from Book Riot Live. It is November 12th and 13th in New York City. Liberty and I will be there doing a live version of this show. Walter Mosley will be there. Mara Wilson will be there. Charlie Jane Anders will be there. Meg Medina will be there. And so many other incredible authors, speakers, publishing industry pros, and like a thousand other book nerds that you are going to become best friends with. Come hang out with us. Come meet your new favorite authors. Check out Book Riot riotlive.com for the lineup and use the offer code MoreCats, M-O-R-E-C-A-T-S, to save 20 bucks on your registration. We'll see you next month. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 75, and today we are talking about books released on October 11th, 2016, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello. Hi there. Fall has falled. Yeah, immediately it's, it falled. Yeah, it just falled like all of a sudden in Richmond, and the the air is cool this morning and my coffee was hot and like you're the only person that I want to talk to because it doesn't feel like work because otherwise I just want to sit under a blanket and read a book all day. Yeah. It's also a holiday. That's so true. It's t- but like, you know, it's Monday yeah. we do this and It's Columbus Day. I don't know. We don't observe Columbus Day at nah. at Book Riot. Uh nah. But like my heat's been kicking on at night, which makes the cats so happy. Like I want to put my body against this very hot piece of metal and try to melt (laughs) on top of it. It keeps them from knocking books off the shelves, at least. Oh yeah, yeah. They're not. They're not like super big at doing that. Malay is a book chewer, which is annoying. She likes to rub her face on things and like chew the edges. But mostly the book stacks fall over on their own or like during heavy metal band practice. (laughs) Or they just attack you. (laughs) Yeah. Or like I bring them down on myself. (laughs) So. Uh, Well, we have a bunch of good books again this week because it's it's that time of year. Oh, my goodness. So it's a scientific fact that I just made up that October has more amazing new releases than any month this year. I mean, I think that's accurate. It's it's crazy. I'm just like. And that one's coming out, and now it's like, oh my goodness. So I'm going to start off with something that just knocked the brains out of my socks. I don't know what I just said. Um, <laughs> it is. That's, it's that that's good. How good it is. Um, and you won't be surprised when you hear it's a Margaret Atwood novel. Uh-huh. And it is Hag Seed. It is part of the Hogarth Shakespeare series. They've been doing this amazing uh, series where they've had authors retell Shakespeare's stories. So, like, Ann Tyler did The Vinegar Girl, and Jeanette Winterson did The Winter's Tale. And this is a retelling of The Tempest. And I'll tell you right away, I I think I mentioned this book a few months ago on the podcast that I was going yeah. to read it or I was reading it. I have not had not read The Tempest. I didn't even know, like, the story of The Tempest. And I decided to forge ahead with the book, especially because I in reading the description, they do a production of The Tempest in the book. So I was like, I think uh, I'm going to kind of, like, learn some things. 
So I didn't read anything about it until after, and then I read, like, a little synopsis of the, of the actual play, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, so if you don't know The Tempest, uh, I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis anyway. I think it's cool. Um, it's about a deposed king and his daughter. They're banished to this island by his brother who wants the throne for himself, and he lives there for, like, 12 years, plotting revenge. He meets a spirit figure who helps him, you know, with his plan. Um, so in the book, Hagseed, I had to look up what Hagseed was, it's... The Offspring of a Witch. Oh, yeah. yeah, I never heard that before. Yeah, I and I do believe he made the word up, but I could be wrong. But in the Margaret Atwood version, there is Felix. He's the artistic director at a theater. He's very well known in his field, in his area. He's, like, the best at what he does. He's cutting edge. He's, he's you know, raw. He takes risks. He does these amazing productions. Um, he has experienced, uh, some loss in his life recently. His wife passed away during childbirth, and then two years later, his daughter died from meningitis. But he's just, like, trying to keep himself busy with all his work, you know, to, to avoid this grief and, and thinking about it. Um, and then he is betrayed. He is betrayed by someone close to him, and it's horrible and embarrassing, and he goes into hiding. He basically gets, like, this little hobbit house. <laughs> it's like in this... <laughs> That's all I could think of. Um, and he goes in and starts plotting his revenge. He's he's very unhappy. And um, while he's in this house for 12 years, um, his daughter, like, in his mind, is still alive and growing. Like, at each year, he, she's this age, and he's teaching her how to read, and he's teaching her how to play chess. But other than that, he's totally fine, except for, like, the imaginary daughter thing. He's all good. And, you know, living in a, in a hole in the side of a hill. Um, and so finally, he gets his chance at revenge. It comes in the form of... A position at a prison where he is going to be teaching prisoners um, reading and and uh, about language and all the stuff. He decides he wants to teach them Shakespeare, so he's going to have this the students perform Shakespeare plays. And finally, after a few years of this, he gets the chance to perform The Tempest, which is the play that he was going to be doing before he was um, sent away from his job. And that's, I'm going to stop there, but it's all like, woohoo, it's so Margaret Atwood, it's so good. Like, in the first couple of pages, she mentions that someone's so horribly embarrassed that their lungs were even blushing, and I was like, she's so rad. She's so <laughs> rad. Like, I was like, who thinks of that? That's so rad. It's so much fun. It's so awesome. It's definitely my favorite in the series. Um, she's, she's so fantastic. Again, it's called Hag Seed by Margaret Atwood. I'm going to have to read that. I love it when you don't have to know the source material to read a thing. Because uh, I don't know The Tempest either. Yeah. No, I, I completely enjoyed it without knowing. Awesome. Uh, my first pick is one of the big, big debuts of the year. I thought that we might yeah, yeah. like come to fisticuffs over who was going to get to talk about it, or that we might just talk about it together, because I know that you loved it, too. It's The Mothers by Britt Bennett. This is this book is so good. Uh, it's about a girl named Nadia Turner who, when she is well, it starts when she's seventeen. Um, her mother committed suicide within the last year, and she has sort of become a wild child in dealing with her grief. Uh, she lives in a close knit community in Southern California, and. She has taken up with the pastor's son. Uh, he's 21, and she, so they're keeping their relationship secret. She gets pregnant. They keep that secret. She has an abortion. They definitely keep that secret because they are very, like, it's a very close knit community. And also, they're very involved with their church, which is called the Upper Room. And the rest of the novel is about 
at what keeping this secret does to each of them for and to their families and the surrounding community over the course of the next couple decades of their life. Uh, the title, The Mother's comes from the book's narrators. Uh, it's a plural, narr- it's narrated, in a, what's it called? A plural collective narrator, <laughs> perhaps. Um, and it's, if you read The Virgin Suicides, it's that kind of voice. And so the mothers together are telling you the story of like, we saw Nadia Turner when she came into the church this day, and we wondered about these things. Uh, and it sort of slips in and out of close third person for Nadia, for the boy that she was in love with for her father and for the other members of the community. And it's just so good. Like I've been, I read it in one sitting on a flight last week when I was coming back from my trip to Kansas city, I just could not stop. And I, you know, wouldn't have unless they had kicked me off the plane. Uh, It's, it is so, so good. She goes right to the way that communities work together, to what church communities especially can feel like. Um, at one point, Nadia finds out that someone knew her secret that she had no idea years before had known, and it sort of recasts how she thinks about a few very important experiences and relationships in her life. And you know what happens to her as she grows up and moves away from home and is starting her career and is forming relationships with other men and is looking for something in her life. And there's, you know, always this secret that she's carrying. Uh, It's, it's so smart. It is so well written. I'm going to be inarticulate about it because it just does all of the things that you want a great novel to do. You can sink right into it. The story is compelling, but the language is also really wonderful. And there's nothing extra. Like that was a thing that really struck me as I was reading is this is one of those books where it feels like every word is exactly where it's supposed to be and nothing is extraneous. There are, there's no extra, there's no more drama than there needs to be. There's no more description than there needs to be. Everything just feels so pitch perfect and it's so well done. Like it's the concept of a novel that in a lesser writer's hands would not work nearly as well, but it just knocked my socks off. And especially that this is her debut. It's so good. Uh, Britt Bennett was just honored as one of the National Book Foundation's five under 35. And um, for all the good reasons, I just really loved this book. Um, If you, I think especially are involved in a church community. Um, if you, if your family's got some secrets like all of ours do, uh, you will find something to relate to in this book. I, it's so good. Uh, and so that's my <laughs> inarticulate raving, which I guess says enough in itself. Uh, and that's The Mothers by Britt Bennett. Yeah. I remember when I started reading it, I was like, am I, is this really happening? Like, is this, yeah. is this actually like what I'm reading? Because this is too good. Like, this is, is amazing like- what is going on. Like, it's it's so fantastic. I mean, she's so impressive. It's amazing. It really is. It's one of those, like, kind of platonic ideal of a reading experience. And it's and those are always unexpected, I think, when they happen. Like, this is a very anticipated book this year. People have been talking about it forever. Uh, but it's living up to the hype and then some. Um, I, I, so good. Plus, the cover is amazing. You could probably see it from the moon. It just jumps out and grabs you. It's <laughs> right. it's. It's awesome. 
It's such a good book. So pick it up. It's called The Mothers. Uh, before we roll on, I want to tell you about our first sponsor this week. We are sponsored by Prep Dish. This is PrepDish.com, where you can find it. P-R-E-P-D-I-S-H. Prep Dish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service. I love to cook. I will confess to not being the uh, most health-conscious cook. I live in the South. Butter is part of my religion. Uh, but I've been really looking at some of the food subscription options and thinking about how they might save time for me, the like thinking every week about what meals I'm going to cook and then making the grocery lists and all of that can be time consuming. And like, I don't mind cooking for two hours, but I really don't like all of the work that goes into the getting ready to cook. Uh, So if that is like you, you might want to check out Prep Dish. When you sign up, you get an email every week that gives you a grocery list and instructions for prepping your meals ahead of time. So if you just spend two hours of prep on the weekend, you'll have all of your meals ready for the entire week which this sounds amazing to me. You'll save time and you'll have delicious meals. For example, smoky paprika chicken legs with roasted carrots, parsnips, and fennel. That actually sounds excellent, especially for the fall and the kind of weather that we're having right now. Or maybe turkey and zucchini lasagna. Allison at Prep Dish is offering listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. And you can't beat that. It's free for two weeks. So you would get these two weeks worth of emails. They would tell you what to buy at the grocery store. You're going to sit aside two hours on Saturday or Sunday, and then all of your meals for the whole week will be ready. Check out prepdish.com slash all the books for this amazing deal. So you're going to save time. You're going to be efficient, which is a thing that I love. You're going to get to eat healthy and you'll have stress-free, tasty meals. Give it a shot. Prepdish.com slash all the books for your two week free trial. I need someone to make the food for me too. (laughs) I'm like, I'm the worst. I love the cooking part, but like if my groceries could just appear at my house delivered by, I don't know, like delivered by drone, like in the final season of Parks and Recreation, that would be great. <laughs> I See, I love grocery shopping. I, I absolutely love it. I lo- It's actually the only time I leave the house. So <laughs> that's fun. Plus, it's fun to walk through the grocery store and see people looking at me like, what does it eat? And like, <laughs> I'm the, but I'm the worst. I hard boiled eggs for two and a half hours the other day. <laughs> They were the hardest hard-boiled eggs ever. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to set the timer completely. I go right back to my book, and it's like, boop, forget it. You know how it is. You pick up a book, and you forget everything else. There was, like, no water with, in the pan. It was very I, say, I did that with rice once, where it's oh, like, I just so forgot bad. that it was cooking until there was smoke, and then all the water was gone, and the rice was burned to the bottom. I did not get to the smoke. I had it, like, on low, and because mm. uh, I'm not smart enough to put it on high. So it wasn't, like, really boiling, so it was just... <laughs> I'm it's terrible. I, should, I can't even make eggs. I should, I should send you grocery shopping with Bob because I do most of the grocery shopping. I like to go in the middle of the day, which is a thing I can do since work from home flexibility. Yay. But when Bob comes along grocery shopping with me, it takes like three times as long because <laughs> he's not at the store very often. So he's like totally amazed by anything new. He gets this like wide eyed, excited look and he and I'll be like, come on, I need to go to the next aisle. And he's like... <laughs> But did you see these new sausages? You're just going to have to leave them behind. I know. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. You'll have to walk home. Live together, die alone. Now that we're completely off track, let's talk about let's books. Bring it back. All right. My next pick, I know I've mentioned how excited I am about it. And it's finally here. It is called The Red Car by Marcy Germanski, who I love, 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 love. She is so great. She is so awesome. 
Um, this is about a woman named Leah, and you find out that Leah's old boss, Judy, has died. Many years before, after Leah got out of college, she went to live in California, and she started working for a woman named Judy, um, who she said reminded her of Liza Minnelli. And she's like this older woman. She takes her under her wing. She actually creates an assistant position for her. She, like, she likes Leah so much that she doesn't really need her that much, but she makes a position for her. And they have a great time, and they go out to lunches, and they talk about stuff, and Judy's a painter, and Leah's trying to write a book, and Judy's very motherly and encouraging, and they have this great time. And then Judy buys a red car. She buys a sports car. Leah doesn't really like it. She thinks it's unnecessary, and she has a bad feeling about it. Um, but whatever, it makes Judy happy, so they go about their lives, and eventually, you know, Judy encourages Leah to take another job. Like, you're going nowhere in this, you know, go do your writing, go, you know, try something else. And they sort of fall out of touch. And it's six years later, Leah is living in New York City. She's married to a man that she doesn't love. Um, he's kind of awful. And she gets a call from one of her former co-workers that says Leah, uh, not Leah, Leah's the woman who gets the call, that Judy has been killed in a car accident. She was in her red car, and someone else ran a red light, and she was struck and killed. And, and also, she has left this car to Leah. And Leah's like, ugh, mm. no, I don't want this car, but um, she's just finished her novel, things aren't going well in her marriage, and, she, you know, her, her co-worker's like, listen, you know, Judy loved you, she wants you to have this car, you need to come to the funeral, we're booking you a ticket, get on the plane, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so she does. She, she's like, all right, I'm going to go. And she flies to California for the funeral. And somewhere around this time, she starts hearing Judy talking to her. Um, just a lot of grief and people, imaginary people, like, talking in these books that I'm reading. Uh, so she, but she does it. She goes out there, she meets up with her old co-workers, and she, she kind of has, like, this second chance, almost, um... You know, even though, like, she's in the middle of living, like, one life on the East Coast, she decides she's going to do all these things, and she has these wild days of of sex and discovery, and, you know, Judy's sort of, like, guiding her in her choices, and it's it's very sexy, it's a little disturbing, um, you know, the prose, I, what I love about Marcy Jermansky is, like you were saying earlier about Britt Bennett, is, like, there's nothing extra, her prose is very dry and very matter-of-fact and very, very funny. And her characters, like, um, she had Bad Marie previous to this, and so Twins, good. they're so good. Her characters are very flawed, and I feel like she pulls it off in a way that, like, most writers can't do with female characters. Like, if men behave like this, everybody would be like, oh, yeah, that's totally fine. But, like, when women behave like this, people are like, <gasps> shocking, that's so shocking that women actually have these thoughts and, you know, like sex and, you know, all this stuff. And Marcia Dramasi is so amazing at it. She's she's so perfect. And and her characters are, are really fun. But you're at the same time, you're like, I've made horrible decisions. You know, I completely understand. And so it's just, it's great. It's so great. Again, it's called The Red Car by Marcy Dermansky. I love her so much, and I cannot wait to read that. I think I'm, I didn't get to it for this week, obviously. So I'm saving it up for the holidays, I think, when we have our time off. Woohoo! Yeah. We have okay, time my, off? Well, I mean, you know, not really. <laughs> <laughs> when it's dead for new books and we're reading things that we missed. Do you know something I don't know? 
<laughs> no, uh, I'm not keeping any secrets from you. Uh, my next pick this week is a paperback release. I can't believe it took me this long to read it because I've had this on my pile since before it came out in hardcover last year. It's called Drinking in America by Susan Cheever. She is a journalist and writer, and she is also the daughter of the famous American writer, John Cheever. The book is really fascinating. It's a history of drinking in America. It begins with the uh, pilgrims coming over on the Mayflower and how uh, they stopped when and where they stopped, mainly because they were running out of beer on the ship. Uh, you know, water was not a thing that people consumed a lot of back then because it was not uh, purified and people drank a lot of booze instead and they were running out and so they stopped. Uh, and this it runs up through you know major moments in American history and the role that alcohol and drinking played in the development of American society, the tension that has existed for about as long as as you know as white people have existed in America, um, the tension that has existed between uh, drinking to excess and the urge to um, to have temperance or prohibition, and she runs through major historical moments and then weaves through it all um, stories from her own life. Her father, John Cheever, was famously an alcoholic. She also was an alcoholic and has been sober now for many years. Uh, and she's writing about those experiences and then weaving in research and you know, medical science about what we know now of alcoholism, what we know of what it is to be the child of an alcoholic, what uh, having an alcoholic in the family does to the other members of the family, even when they don't become alcoholics, you know, they suffer in some way. Um, and so it sort of has all these different vectors of stuff related to alcohol and drinking. And it is fascinating. Uh, it's, it's just bonkers packed with interesting facts. And she is talking, she talks about how, you know, most of the founding fathers were more intoxicated on most days than we consider to be the legal limit of, you know, alcohol in someone's bloodstream today, um, how they, you know, would have like a tankard of cider to start the day. And then people would take, uh, employers gave uh, their employees like two or three, uh, breaks every day to stop and drink in the middle of the day. Uh, farmers would leave like big things of rum at the ends of the rows in fields and people would just drink while they were working. Um, kids were given a, a drink called flip that was like juice and rum mixed basically. So everybody was just boozed all the time in the early days. Uh, and she, you know, she lays it out and gives some amazing and hilarious examples. A couple of my favorites um, happen early in the book. One is a story about Ethan Allen, uh, not the furniture store, but the revolutionary war person. Uh, and she there were just dozens of drinking stories about him. He was a very famous, famously drunk and had interesting experiences. So uh, one night he and his friend Remember Baker, and like you just don't get names like Remember anymore, uh, had been drinking and walking all night and they lay down for a nap in a rocky glen. Sometime later, Baker was roused by a noise and woke to, a, woke to gaze horrified at the spectacle of Colonel Allen asleep while on his broad chest was coiled a huge rattler all of five feet long. As Baker watched, the rattlesnake repeatedly bit his friend. Baker pushed the snake off Allen and then noticed the snake's head weaving strangely. The snake released a huge burp and Baker understood. The snake was drunk. When Allen woke up, he complained about the mosquitoes. <laughs> like, yeah. I know. And the, it goes on like, 
John Chapman, who became known as Johnny Appleseed, uh, it was not because he was planting apples that people wanted to eat. The types of apples that he was planting were the ones that got made into hard cider. And so people loved Johnny Appleseed because he was giving them away to have hard cider. And back then, sugar was hard to come by and honey was hard to come by. So cider was also one of the only ways that uh, people had sweetness in their diet. But like this blue, I was reading that and I was like, are you kidding me? Like all those cartoons about Johnny Appleseed that I watched as a kid. There were uh, a lot of them for some reason. So many, so many. And he was really just celebrated because he was planting the kinds of apples that you turn into cider and get drunk off of, which like that's totally a thing to celebrate. But there are all these like great sort of shedding light on what was really happening in historical moments woven together with you know, thoughtful and revealing looks at uh, alcoholism in society, the role that it has played at different points in American society and what it does to individuals and families. Uh, definitely worth a read. Again, the book is called Drinking in America. It's by Susan Cheever, and it's out in paperback. I guess if you're out of sugar and that's how you get it, that's cool. And yeah. I guess if you're going to get bit by a rattlesnake, that's the way to do it. <laughs> get the snake drunk. Like, don't even know it's happening, I guess. <laughs> like, you you got to be so drunk to get the snake drunk. Oh. <laughs> uh, and how much of it do you think is actually true, really? <laughs> Come on. Come on, I want to believe that one. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on to something else completely different, but amazing. It's called Do Not Say We Have Nothing by Madeline Tia. It was shortlisted for The Man Booker recently. It is this beautiful, devastating novel of family and extended family in China. Um, it opens with a young girl named Marie. She's living in Canada. It's 1989. Um, her father has recently left his family and gone to Hong Kong. And then they receive word that he has taken his own life. And this is around the time of the Tiananmen Square massacres, um, which was the students protesting in, in Beijing. And they were uh, hundreds of them were killed by the government. Um, shortly after this happens, a young woman named A. Ming shows up at their house. Uh, she is on the run from the government. She is somehow involved in what happened in the square and is, and is wanted by the government. Um, and you, at first you don't really like hear her story, but she stays with Marie. She's 19. Marie is 11. She's completely taken with her and she lives with them for many months. And while this is going on, we get flashbacks into their, their family's past. You see like both their father's who came from musical families, um, they, their lives were abruptly changed during Mao's Cultural Revolution when he basically closed all the schools and sent the students to work in the fields. And, like, horrible things were happening to families. Like, people were being ejected from their lands. People were being ejected from their homes. People were being imprisoned for no reason. Um, and it, that is sort of told through diaries and stories and this um, book that is being passed down from generation to generation and they learn, like, how their fathers survived and what happened to Marie's father, like, while he was in Hong Kong. You hear the story of Big Mother Knife. Like, that's a cool name, right? Like, Big Mother Knife, um, who is Aiming's grandmother and how, you know, things were happening to Big Mother Knife's sister and her family. Um, you learn about Aiming's own story, like, when she was in Hong Kong and in China and what happened during the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Um, it's so... Like beautifully woven. Is that does that sound right? Does that sound yeah. something I could say? Um, it's it's so good. I must admit, um, I had to start writing down names because a lot of the characters go by one or two names in the book. 
And I was like, okay, I'm I'm losing track of like who's related to who. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was my own like personal, you know, like I had to, I had to do that myself. It's it's because there's so many amazing stories and it goes back and forth and it's so lovely, um, just absolutely devastating. Again, it's called "Do Not Say We Have Nothing" by Madeline Tia, and that's spelled T H I E N. Awesome. Uh, our next sponsor this week, we have FabFitFun back again. They are a subscription box with premium full-size fashion, beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. That full-size bit is important because if you have seen or subscribed to other boxes like this, you know you're typically paying for sample sizes of things. And that's, you know, really just a way to get you to go buy the full-size ones later. With FabFitFun, you pay $49.99 and it always has a value over $200. The fall box's value is 250 bucks. Really incredible. Uh, FabFitFun lives up to the promise. Every box, and we've gotten some samples in the past, uh, sample boxes with the full-size products, do have things for fashion and beauty. Uh, there's a mod cloth scarf uh, is one of the items in the fall box. We don't want to give away all of it. I've gotten you know face masks in the past, um, Pilates and yoga equipment. There have been Zumba DVDs. And then there's lifestyle products like I mean, really all sorts of, of stuff. There have been, uh, there's been jewelry in past boxes, body oil, different lotions, lip glosses, uh, gift cards for meal delivery, gift cards for different online shops. They really do their stuff uh, with FabFitFun. And every time that I've received a box, it has been a delight to open. It's been fun to see all of the different stuff in there. It really, really does pack a lot of value in. If you want to treat yourself or uh, there, these are, particularly geared for women. If there's a woman in your life uh, that you want to treat, one box would be great. A gift subscription would be great uh, as we're thinking about the holidays. If there's somebody who's really into this kind of stuff, you can subscribe at fabfitfun.com. All the books listeners can use the coupon code books to get $10 off their first box. Plus, if you refer a friend, you'll get $15 off of your box and your friend will get $10 off of theirs. So there's savings for everybody. Go to fabfitfun.com and use the offer code books to get $10 off your first box. Check it out and then, you know, refer a friend and save some more in the future. So thanks to FabFitFun for sponsoring. Yay. Yay. Okay. My next pick, I think I mentioned this uh, in a previous what you're going to read next segment, but I spent some time with it over the weekend. It's called On Trails by Robert Moore. Uh, I was sold on the book when I read an excerpt or an essay that he had written for BuzzFeed about hiking the Appalachian Trail. And thank you to the many of you who told me that I was pronouncing that incorrectly in the past. Um, so he he wrote about hiking. He has done a through hike, which is the whole like 2000 miles from Georgia to Maine. He's hiked uh, many, many other trails in many places in the world. And the book is born out of that. Uh, but it's more, this is not just like a travel memoir about places that a man has hiked. Uh, he really started thinking about what trails mean. Like when we go out in nature on a trail, it often feels like, oh, we're doing this, we're out in the wilderness, we have all this freedom, we're doing this thing, but you're walking on a usually pretty narrowly described path um, that has been put there by someone else for a reason. And then for years and years, other people have followed those exact directions and made that path well-worn. And so you're out in nature in a wild place, but you're following directions. Uh, And he talks about how uh, when he was on a long hike, getting those two sort of competing ideas in his head and starting to really think about uh, why we like 
trails, why we like to be out in nature and walking, and then going all the way back to sort of how did trails first develop? Um, before we had cars, we walked most places uh, in parts of the world where cars are not prevalent. You can still see that trails play an important role, but he goes all the way back to like the very first creatures to crawl out of the ocean and the trails that their bodies described onto uh, onto soil and that are now in fossils. It's really far ranging and there are a lot of digressions in a way that I found very pleasant. Uh, if you read what is the octopus? Or is it the it's giant squid? Matthew Frank wrote a book about the giant squid a year or two ago. I wish that I could remember the title it's, right now. Uh, preparing the preparing the ghosts. Yes, yes. <laughs> together <laughs> we have two. one sort of brain. <laughs> We're stronger together. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, if you liked that, uh, I think you will love this. It's like it it hits those buttons and rings the bells of the specific stories about nature and hiking and being on trails, which is a thing that, you know, I talk about a lot now um, and that I think about a lot. But he also gets very philosophical about what trails are and why we have them. And there are digressions into science and into all kinds of history. And it's really wonderful. Uh, I am totally fascinated. I'm not finished with it yet because uh, I'm you know, trying to read new releases, but I'm really, really enjoying it. And for me, it's perfectly timed uh, going into fall when I am going to be spending uh, some more time outside and hiking. And think, you know, now I have some interesting ideas to put in my brain and meditate on uh, while I go on to some trails that mean important things to me too. So um, if you're into the nature thing, if you liked Terry Tempest Williams, The Hour of Land, uh, that mix of memoir and nature writing and other stuff, um, I think you'll like this. And again, it's called On Trails. It's by Robert Moore, M-O-O-R. Fantastic. Yep. What's up next for you? I'm going to talk about my shopping list. Oh, I love shopping list time. Yeah. Like, because... I love books, and I do receive a lot of books uh, for review, but I, I still, people are like, How, why do you buy books? You get all these books. It's like, because I, I love going to the bookstore, and I love shopping for books, and I love picking things out, and and I read a lot. So I have a big list of things that I'm looking to get. Um, I don't think I've done this for a few weeks. And you know, there, first of all, there's so many amazing books out today. It's like crazy. The new A.S. AS King is out today. Um, the new, the Brian Cranston memoir is out today. The, it is? Yes. Oh, I had it down for next week. Oh, I think it's out today. Are we talking about <gasps> the 11th? We are, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's out. Maybe I'm just looking at the audio date. I don't know. Um, but the Brian Cranston. Um, what else? Our friend Kevin's book is out today. Brad Pack America. We've mentioned it a few times about, you know, uh, visiting the sites of famous 80s films. Yay, Kevin. And I have this long list of books that I want to get. Um, starting with Where the Mountain Meets the Moon by Grace Lynn. The companion book to this, When the Sea Turned to Silver, that came out last week, was just shortlisted for the National Book Award, and I have still not read the first one. Although they say companion book, so I don't know that it means you have to actually have read them. Mm. Um, but I really want that one. Um, I'm looking to get The Crossing Places by Ellie Griffiths. Uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about it on Litzy, or about her on Litzy, and she's been compared many times to Tana French. Like, if you've read all the Tana French books, like you might want to read her, so I'm going to pick up The Crossing Places, which is the first one. I'm hoping to get the, Gil the Golden Age by Joan London. She wrote a novel called Gilgamesh many years ago that I absolutely loved. And this one is out from Europa. I've never met a Europa book that I did not love, so I'm excited for that. I want to get the Assimilated Cuban's Guide to Quantum Santeria, which is, oh. <laughs> which is an awesome title. 
Quanto Santeria. Yeah. It's by Carlos Hernandez, and it's described as a quirky collection of short sci-fi stories in the vein of Kelly Link. Sold. Right there. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to get The World's Largest Man by Harrison Scott Key. It's a memoir about his relationship with his dad, and it just won the 2016 Thurber Prize, um, which is, like, the humor prize that they give out. Um, I love James Thurber, by the way. Like, people don't talk about him at all, hardly ever anymore. But I absolutely loved him. One of my very favorite short stories is The Princess in the Tin Box. Look it up, Google it, read it. It's so good. Um, I want to get By Gaslight by Stephen Price, which is a very large mystery in Victorian London about a Pinkerton detective, I believe, and he's searching for somebody that his father failed to find. Um, And I want to get Angels of Music by Kim Newman. He wrote an English ghost story, a million other things, but most importantly to me, Anno Dracula, which is my very favorite vampire novel about uh, Jack the Ripper actually being a vampire hunter. Um, I just absolutely love his stuff. So that is what is on my list for this week. So now... So now, are you going to talk surprise. about Brian Cranston now? I am a surprise Yay. final segment because I had my dates wrong, <laughs> <laughs> which I am delighted. This is so good. I talked about the book I think when we were doing our fall preview, uh, but it's a life in parts by Brian Cranston, who uh, starred as Walter White in Breaking Bad. He was also on Malcolm in the Middle. He's been in a million other things. He's an incredibly talented actor, and this is his memoir. Uh, each chapter assesses and presents a different role that he played in his life, beginning with his childhood. And so we get to learn about his family life. Um, And I think he's pretty, as celebrities go, he's a pretty private person. Like I went into the book really only knowing and loving his work, but not really knowing much about him as an individual. So it was interesting to see him open up on the page and learn about his family life and how that shaped him. His father uh, wanted to be an actor, wanted to be very successful, uh, and was one of those people who would only take the big jobs, um, which, you know, uh, surprisingly did not really come around. Uh, So Cranston really valued putting in paying his dues and putting in the hard work. Uh, We get to see him, you know, in his early days of being an actor when he's like learning how to uh, do rock climbing because he went on an audition for a commercial and told them that he knows how to rappel. Uh, So he gets the job and then has to go learn how to rappel very quickly over the weekend. Uh, And it moves up into what kind of preparation and practice do you do when you have when you're at the height of your craft and you're playing a role like Walter White. It's so interesting. He's so funny. Like that that voice. I wish that I had listened to it on audio and I may get the audiobook and just, you know, revisit because his voice is so wonderful and you can hear that coming through in the text. Um, I found it really fascinating. And uh somebody writing about their craft, like I'm over writers writing about writing, uh, but another kind of creative uh form of work that I'm less familiar with somebody writing about their craft in that way and being really thoughtful about it. Um, He just seems like a gracious uh, and obviously very talented man. Um, And I loved the book. So it's called A Life in Parts. And it's by Brian Cranston. And it's out today. Woohoo! Yay! You can get the audio and then you can listen to it in the car while Bob is in the grocery store. 
Yes. <laughs> it's fine, Bob. Like, take, go ahead. Take as long as you need. You know what role he had, which I wasn't aware of until he became famous for Breaking Bad, as I believe a lot of people weren't aware of. And then they went, oh, is he was Jerry's creepy dentist on Seinfeld. Yeah, and, <laughs> yes, yeah. And he tells that story in the book, too, of like uh, how the certain jokes that the dentist tells came out, how that character became. Yeah, it's funny. Like he show, he did a lot of character work before Breaking Bad. And so he shows up in all sorts of things. <laughs> like in reruns of stuff it's really interesting yeah i saw him on an episode of matlock not that i was yeah, watching matlock but I, I saw it anyway when he found his way to breaking bad originally because vince gilligan had uh written an episode of the x-files yep. and he was an extra in that episode and years later like the way that he had performed that character stuck with vince gilligan and vince gilligan you know wanted him for walter white it's so interesting uh, and a great i thought very inspiring about taking all the opportunities that you're given because you don't know like where a small job today might lead to in the future it was really great yeah he's uh, awesome okay what are you gonna read next um i'm still in the middle of ill will by dan sean it's um, unsolved Murders and Satanists and Stan mm. Sean, who I absolutely, absolutely love. So I'm taking my time with it. But I am I started the other day and I'm almost finished with Difficult Women by Roxanne Gay. Ooh, yes. Yeah, that one comes out. Like she had one coming out called Hunger, but then she has postponed that. And now she has Difficult Women, which is coming out on January 3rd. And she's awesome. And I was thinking of her because I think on Twitter she used to talk about how she gets those like food service deliveries. Yeah, yeah. Like mm -hmm. she does all that stuff. And I was like thinking like, oh, I could get this and I'd be just like Roxanne Gay. I'm not nearly as smart. <laughs> but yeah, she's so she's so fantastic. Um, the cover is great. And yeah, and again, Dan Schoen, love him. So what are you gonna read next? I think I'm going to read The Rest of Us Just Live Here by Patrick Ness. Uh, I have not read him before. I missed the big trilogy that he did a couple of years ago. Um, and I think you talked about this one on the show. Um, Me, I, no. No, you didn't? Nope. Okay. All right. Well, then I don't know much about it. I think that the <laughs> setup is like uh, the main character lives in a sort of dystopian world where everybody else is basically Katniss Everdeen and the main character is like the one normal person. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that I think that's the setup. I've heard really great things about it. Um, I'm in the mood for some YA, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. I also have not read the trilogy. Not because I mean I've heard amazing things about it, but every time I go to read it, someone's like, "No, the dogs." I'm like, "No, not the dogs. Oh, no, the dogs. No." That's good to know. Yeah, I'm I not. Can't. I'm not strong enough. I'm I am not strong enough for that either. <laughs> I like I was an Instagram thing about a dog made me cry yesterday. Oh so no. Yeah, oh. super baby. If someone wants to send us like an abridged version, that's fine. I can read so many things, but I can't with the dogs. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's our show this week. Don't forget to register for Book Riot Live, bookriotlive.com. And the offer code is more cats to save $20 on your registration. Go to prepdish.com slash all the books to get your two week free trial. And you can subscribe to FabFitFun at fabfitfun.com and use the offer code books to get your discount there as well. If you want to drop us a line, you can do that at all the books at bookriot.com or talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S C H I N S K Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. We love hearing from you. And if you've got a minute to rate or review the show on iTunes, that is a wonderful little gift for us as well. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. In the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.